Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. What a piece of junk! She'll make point five past light speed. She may not look like much, but she's got it where it counts, kid. I've made a lot of special modifications myself. But we're a little rushed, so if you'll just get on board, we'll get out of here. This week, the story is all about the means of getting from A to B. After all, it's an action-adventure saga. It's about journeying. Um, it's about vast distances, great speed. So where would we be without sick whips, dope rides, space jalopies? Uh, we're counting down our top six favorite vehicles in all of Star Wars, and we wanted to make a couple of distinctions, so let's talk about those, Ross. Uh, Death Star can technically travel. You could definitely make a case for it being a vehicle. Is it one? We view it under the category of uh, battle station uh, or command station, and for the sake of its size uh, and the fact that it is also a hangar, and the size of a small moon uh, and all of those ships within said hangars, it just, it, it doesn't make sense to include it in our list uh, for, this, for the sake of what we've done. And so uh, command ships in that regard, um, we also can rule out like the Vuton Pala um, from like the Phantom Menace and whatnot. Right. Um, and then we also made the other distinction around uh, everybody's favorite hunk of junk and wanting to keep the list uh, still a little bit spicy. Yeah, so take all of this with a grain of salt and know that, like, truly the best vehicle in Star Wars is the Millennium Falcon. But, like, everything yeah. else we're going to discuss is just kind of irrespective of that. I mean, the only other thing I'd say about the about the Death Star is that as much as I love the Death Star as, like, a imaginative concept, it wouldn't be in my top six favorite Star Wars vehicles anyway. Because I don't love it as a vehicle. You usually have to remind me that it even is one. That's very fair. And in in, I don't view it as a vehicle in that same way. And that's the reason why we took it off the, the list, because right. it, it is something that we would love and then have a weird spot about not having it on our lists because we don't even really view it as a vehicle. And most people don't anyway. So those are just the, the necessary kind of switch ups. And uh, we got a lot of honorable mentions because this one was such a, a fun one to do. And there's not a ton you can talk about with every ship no. there is. And so talking about a bit of uh, quantity, maybe over uh, qualitative depth over the, the cushion styles on each of these vehicles is maybe the way we want to play this one. Right. I mean, I don't know a lot of the specific specs of these vehicles. I just kind of know how they make me feel um, based on their initial look. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see what kind of overlap we're, we're, we're dealing with. Um, the other thing is we we initially thought we would maybe just talk about spaceships in Star Wars, and then you cleverly decided we should probably broaden that to just vehicles in general. Because, I mean, we are going to talk a lot about spaceships tonight for sure, but there are a couple other things in there that, that might be just as exciting to you as a Star Wars fan that don't necessarily fly through space. Oh, absolutely. And it would have been extremely easy to do two different lists. Yep. There's no two ways about that. Um, but this made it a little bit more challenging. And like we said before, just there's so many things that it, there's not so many things you can say about each, but there are so many things that you can say certainly a bit about. Counting down our top six favorite vehicles in all of Star Wars. My number six is the J-Type 327 Nubian Royal Starship from The Phantom Menace. I realized in doing this exercise uh, what a big part of the design success of the Phantom Menace was creating new ships. Almost all of the, the vehicles in episode one 
are fantastic. And Queen Amidala's mirror-tinted uh, transport is just a prime example of that. Like, Star Wars to this point has, although very cool, been synonymous with being, like, gritty and motor-oily. Um, and nothing this luxurious has ever really been shown in the galaxy far, far away. It looks like a Corvette. It looks like a droplet of water. It's just very sexy and sleek. Uh, a complete innovation for the series and for uh, spaceships and movies. So gotta gotta love the Nubian Royal Starship. Absolutely. This one is fantastic. And the design is, is so consistent with the rest of the way that they designed Naboo uh, in this kind of Italian uh, viewpoint. But also they wanted to use a lot of curves and smooth edges. They wanted things to be very different than the way that the Empire viewed things. Naboo is an artistry world. Most people grow up to become artists on Naboo. Okay. And so it makes sense that architecture and design is such a huge, um, I guess it's, it's such a broad landscape that that's going to also apply to ship architecture and that it's going to be absolutely beautiful in the way that they construct these ships. And she has her, her J-Type 327, uh, but then she also has, there's a couple in Attack of the Clones as well. There's the one that blows up. Uh, and then there's also the one later on that the two uh, that she and Anakin take to Tatooine as well. And so it, it, they all follow this same mirror finish and they all have these smooth lines. And then there's also, of course, the the N1 Starfighter, the, the gold one. And that also yeah. it's it's kind of like this uh, this small uh, version of the the same Nubian Starfighter. You can see that they're all part of this family of design. And I think that's really smart uh, and really creative. And you're right. It, it sets up an era in a really cool way. I love this one. I also think there's like a Jetsons quality to this class of Starship and that like the Jetsons are so polished and homogenized and, and perfect. Like they're, they're like your modern family, but they're happening to live in like in uh, a different technological age. And that's not what we've, we've seen from Star Wars up to this point. Uh, in the Phantom Menace. And so it kind of has this like netherworld quality altogether. Love it very much. Yeah, that's an awesome one. Okay, number six for you. Uh, number six for me is going to probably require you, sir, to do a bit of a quick Google search. Okay. Uh, and that will actually, I think, maybe be the only one on my entire list for that. Uh, but this one was in one of my early top six versions and uh, it really stayed there. Uh, and it, it definitely is something whereas your top six can kind of move and shake. Uh, but in the end, I settled with uh, the Stinger Mantis. And so that would be, if you want to do a quick Google search, Stinger Mantis, but it's the, the S-161 Stinger XL. Oh. Uh, and it is the main ship in Jedi Fallen Order. And it is awesome. I love it. It is so cool. Um, you can get really any paint job. So actually I used the Nubian paint job on mine, which was, so it was gold with kind of like the silver stripes in the back. Uh, but it's just so cool by design. It uses kind of the, the rotating back, um, fin as a bit of a plank when it lands down. Uh, it's a, a long passageway. It, it has kind of sort of yacht features to it. Uh, but it's a versatile home for the characters. And yet it, it's got a hyperdrive. It's a great, uh, it's a kind of a luxury vessel. Uh, it's just a super cool, uh, Star Wars-y ship, uh, for the modern era. And, uh, I absolutely, I, I loved it. It is incredibly Star Warsy looking. I see what you mean. And it's very hard to describe it because it doesn't have like a traditional airplane aesthetic. Um, 
And and the vast majority of the pictures I'm seeing, and so I'm guessing this is the one directly from Jedi Fallen Order, is it's largely blue and white. Um, yeah. And I don't know what more to say about it because I haven't had a personal experience with it, but it is very cool. It does sort of remind me a little bit of, of Dryden Voss's yacht, just in terms of it its has- like long wings, this weird kind of perpendicular um, T shape. Absolutely. It's it's done in a bit of a different way in the way that it, it's sitting in the sense that it's, it's just it's a long, narrow tube with uh, kind of like an overhanging um, lip and then this back rotating fin. Uh, so it's 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 not that interesting by design, but it's very sleek and modern. And on the inside, it's also it, it's it's just a cool layout with like good setups where you can where people can live in it's got good quarter space and uh so it was a nice home base for a very good video game uh and it's nice to be able to see something that you are directly interacting with also be cool uh so when you broaden out the way that video games are going to be expanding with star wars it's really exciting to see like rpgs and whatnot um and these kind of uh, new video game styles and what kind of ships you may be able to get and the kind of attachment that you'll form with them and, and finding these new ways to explore ships in Star Wars that really you don't get to do the same in a movie. That's why I love like looking at like the Lego Millennium Falcon yeah, and like, the, or even just toy Millennium Falcons in general, uh, because you really get to see, oh, that little angle, like, oh, from that scene, you can see that part of it. No, now I understand the big picture as to what mechanism is attached there. And so it really provides that lived in feel that we all love about Star Wars. Is it something you actually get to pilot when you play the game? No, you don't pilot. Your pilot is uh, this little guy named Grease, uh, and he's hilarious. Uh, but you don't uh, particularly. You're you're not flying it around. It's uh, more of it. It transports you like a taxi, and, and you can just do whatever you want on the ship. Gotcha. My number it's got five. Like a bar in a garden. It's pretty cool. My number five. My fifth favorite Star Wars vehicle is the seventy four Z speeder bike. Uh, of course, most famously seen in Return of the Jedi. It's just, I mean, it's its kind of a package deal with what I've expressed before is my favorite design for Stormtroopers, the Scout Trooper, the Scout Bike um, on Endor. It's just a very, very cool look. It's rivaled perhaps only by Luke and Leia uh, flying these same bikes in their ponchos. This is a pro-poncho podcast. We've discussed it uh, many, many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, not much to say about them other than that they look like motorcycles, lowrider motorcycles, and they go lightning fast and so that we're having this chase sequence among california red redwoods um is a dangerous kind of vibe and it's endlessly exciting so you gotta love them oh they're going so lightning fast and the entire sequence is just thrilling it sets up a new class of speeder and ship and vehicle and star wars which is really exciting and it's yeah, uh, they, they were on, it was in my top six for a long time. Yeah. Um, when I get to kind of my honorable mentions, I'll, I can do a little bit of an explanation of why it bumped out, but it's it, it's so classic. And like you said, it pairs so well with the Scout Troopers. It's bare bones, it's brown. Uh, it's got a bunch of exposed like metal rods. It's got everything just taken off of it. It is very imperial in its design. Uh, it, it's just, it's so bloody cool. And they go so dangerously fast it is very imperial but we also see them pretty heavily featured in the mandalorian which of course is a largely man uh empire run civilization um but we see them out of the confines of the forest moon of endor we see them out on these big sand tundras 
when Mando himself is piloting them or or more scout well, troopers? He actually, well, Mando in particular, he's piloted on Tatooine the Zephyr G, yep. which is the same speeder bike that Anakin uses in Attack of the Clones to go find Shmi. Right. Uh, and so I actually prefer that speeder bike, and that one uh, was eight. So it just missed my list. Uh, so <laughs> it, it became my higher choice of the speeder bikes and ultimately got bumped out at the very end. But that, uh, yeah, they're all very cool by their design. The Zephyr G is, it's got kind of a bit more of a of a frame to it. Um, but uh, yeah, the Z, that's that's the original one uh, flying through the Redwoods. So awesome choice. As we're discussing these bikes, there's actual motorcycles driving very loudly by my my house and oh, really? the windows are open because it's so hot and so you're likely going to hear some sound effects of a motorcycle driving by the sound not quite as cool nor quite as lightning fast as uh the 74z which by the way uh, a lot of cool sound effects in star wars i can hear it in my head the in particular the, chase, the chase scene the buzz on on endor so that's just a part of what makes them terribly cool uh your fifth favorite vehicle in star wars is my fifth favorite vehicle in Star Wars, this is a fair, another fairly new ship uh, and one that just kind of spoke to me as cool right away. Uh, and it's just, it's been a ship that's been packed with uh, good characters and it's just excellent in design. Uh, and that would be Rogue One's introduction of the U-Wing. Oh, yeah. And I absolutely love the U-Wing. Of the letter wings, it is surprisingly my favorite. Uh, and I know that uh, there's a lot of letter wings out there. Most people love the X-Wing, but the U-Wing is my favorite of the letter wings. Uh, and the kind of like van design that it has, like with the, with the doors on the side uh, and the way that the, the fins in the front uh, point out and then they fl like flip out like, a like, a, like an actual airplane. It's just it's such an exceptional design. Uh, it's very creative, but it, it just it harkens back to 1977 so well, mm -hmm. yet it's so new uh, in the same way that everyone from friggin' Blue Squadron did it, with the casting that they had with the the, the mustachioed uh, and Talk Merrick and whatnot. But it's, it's just a really cool ship and it fits so perfectly in Star Wars, which is sometimes one of the most impressive things you can find uh, is when these new things feel like they've been around for 40 years. Well, it does. And I just looked at a picture of it. You might've overestimated me because I don't really recognize that, nor could I remember seeing anything called a U-Wing fighter in Star Wars. Okay. That, that is fair in the sense they don't, they never say the names of these bloody things. So that's fair. That is totally fair. I mean, I can see why it's called a U-Wing fighter and that's kind of the charm of, of this class of, of uh, rebel ships. Very cool. Um, I would say, far less compact than some of the other letter wing um uh sing single ship. pilot things okay so it, it it tends to be a part of a fleet of like a bigger freighter absolutely and it's interesting i don't play uh squadrons which is the video game but apparently it's because it's such an accurate game when you play as the u-wing you go around and you are just helping your teammate you're, you're not even really that's not your goal is to to take out other fighters per se uh, and that's really what we see in the Battle of Scarif. The U-Wing is there to to be the the support crew uh, where they possibly can. And I think that adds to it as well. It's a bit of an underrated uh, member of the fleet. But as you can see, uh, I'm sure the Rebels could have used a few more U-Wings yeah. in, in the following battles had they not lost them all. <laughs> it looks like it could just like slice right through you. It's very blade looking. It almost looks like a butcher's cleaver. Oh, yeah. And just the... It, it's... 
it's got some beautiful shots in Rogue One uh, with just the way that the fins move. Um, and it, having an, a little extra space, I kind of like that. It's got some cushions in the back. It's, it, it reminds me of a minivan for a lot of reasons. Okay, cool. My number four is the ATST. Uh, the Alter in nice. Scout Transport. So this is the two-legged Imperial Walker. Um, so it's actually my second Battle of Endor uh, vehicle in a row on this list. And it's a toss-up between the ATST and the ATAT. Uh, both are obviously phenomenally cool, if fairly impractical war machines. <laughs> like as hmm. as like a, as like a supplement, a surrogate like tank device. It's kind of goofy, but. I don't know the the way they emulate the movement of of a pedal creature is is just very innovative for Star Wars. Uh, I think walkers. I, yeah, I, they also kind of look like like T Rexes a little bit, and, and this is mm-hmm. not actually a post Jurassic Park world when when Return of the Jedi is invented. But they, there's a quality there. I think I prefer the two legged ones because they're weaker and clumsier than the gargantuan ATATs on Hoth. Um, I love that they get dummied when it's revealed that Chewie is piloting one. That's like one of his all-time great scenes. Um, They also are subtly featured in some old Star Wars video games that you and I used to play in like the late 90s. And so, I don't know, I just feel a little bit more emotionally attached to the the STs. And so I like the two-legged screwballs. Oh, nice. Yeah, Yeah. I absolutely adore the chicken walkers. They're fantastic. And uh, the Chewie sequence uh, adds to the charm. uh, And... Now we have so much added to the menace when the way they were used in the Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. And like talk about like hearkening to Jurassic Park. Uh, that was when it was the T-Rex walkers for sure. Totally. Uh, and it, it that it definitely it was so menacing. Uh, there was a bunch of ATST um, design. Actually, that design, I believe, was pulled from Colin Trevorrow's designs or like aligned designs because um, they had um atsts painted like that um for the rebellion in uh in duel of the fates script and so that would have been cool to see to see that kind of come back well and uh, he directed jurassic world too so that's probably not a coincidence oh yeah there's potential that maybe he and bryce dallas howard were talking uh during some of that that time that's that's certainly very possible it's a good point um, but yeah, no, that's, that's, that's an awesome, that's an awesome choice. Of course, in my honorable mentions, love the, the ATSD, and, uh, uh, it's uh, a, a classic Imperial design once again, with it's just plain bare metal. Assuming the ATAT isn't going to appear on your list at any point. Do you have anything you want to say about that as a design? Like it's obviously we, we compare them I've, because they have, they're, I guess from a similar class of, of machine because they have similar names and they both are on legs. But yeah, really we can different. talk about that a little later. I've got a list of stuff, so we, we can t- we can have an AT discussion in, in, in a little bit. Okay, but, sure. Um, my number four. Yeah. Or yeah, so my number four uh, would be one that uh, I think you'd probably expect me to have on this list, and one that the more I rank things in Star Wars, the more I'm reminded of my love of a key sequence that happens in a phantom menace. Uh, and of course I'm going with Anakin's pod. Uh, I'm going with Anakin's custom built pod with the radon Ulzer 620 C engines. And, uh, we then get to see those later again. Uh, when, uh, another ship that at one point made my top six and, and fell out, uh, when we get to see those engines again, used by Cobb Vanth. Yeah. Um, 
how excited I got to see them again was kind of the reminder for me as to why I needed to put them on this list and had the toy, uh, had the Lego set, uh, the pod race sequence. It's just such a cool design and the, just the, the introduction of pods in general. Totally. And so I absolutely, uh, and Anakin's pod in particular was always my favorite. Um, and it still is my favorite, even when comparing them all, excluding the driver himself. Uh, I do have later on my uh, honorable mentions, Tinto Pegalis has the second best pod, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, but Anakin, uh, I, I love the, the fins around the jets as well. I keep using the word fins. Like, clearly, that's, a, that's something I like in ship design. Yeah. Uh, but those big fanning yellow um, fins around the engines. It's just such a cool uh, concept and also execution. I was thinking of pods today conceptually, and I was, maybe I was overanalyzing, but I was trying to understand what they were as a mechanism. And so obviously they're these two twin engines that are separate from each other and joined only by this beam of energy. And then in the back, they are reined by a singular pilot's uh, helm. But it would appear that the helm is a vehicle in and of itself, and yet I'm not sure it has to be. Like, it's just on reins, and the engines are what is propo propelling the whole operation. So couldn't you just be sitting in an apple crate back there? Does that have to be, like, its own little um, little Zodiac helm? It, no, it's a cockpit just so that it's able to control the engines. Uh, it is indeed, it, it's, it's exactly like a chariot race and yep. that's what they're going for in right. the sense that all of the power is in the engines up front. Uh, it's attached, uh, to the engines and that's, what's, that's, what's propping it up. And it's, uh, I, I don't know, there, there might be a little, there might be a, a, a little extra, there might be a smaller engine there just to, to give it a little bit of a prop up so that it's not sagging too much in Anakin's pods design. But I don't think there is. I'm pretty sure it's just the, the rod construction. So I, I think it's it's just an, a nice cockpit that all the electronics for the engines are just built within it. It's not remote steerage. It is, in fact, like uh, attached via electrical cables. And that's what those yes. reins are. Maybe I'm overthinking yeah. it. But yeah, it, it just occurred to me today that maybe that Maybe you can just be towed in any old thing or just like by uh, yourself on a skateboard. Or yeah. Something. I mean, theoretically, if it was some, like it could be uh, like a, a a portable device in theory. Yeah. And then they sit in, like you said, like an apple cart. So um, it just it, it needs to have the powerful engines. And that's why that's really what's talked about when they're not really ship. It's, it's just there. These are the engines and. That's what makes the pod. When we build one, we'll just use like a Walmart shopping cart or something. Perfect. <laughs> My number three is the Imperial Class Star Destroyer. Uh, they convey exactly the degree of menace that they require uh, to make the Empire feel as powerful and as daunting as they are within the galaxy. But you need to understand very quickly as soon as you enter Star Wars. You need to learn right away that these guys are not small time crooks. These are the big bad that you're going to be dealing with uh, for decades. The exterior is, I mean, it's very elegant and clean, but it's quite harsh looking as well. Very militaristic. The interior is genuinely badass. And I think um, at least in some cases, there is a two-tier flight deck and it's got this um, oh, yeah. 
180 degree windshield that looks out on on space um and, and of course what they evolve to be capable of technologically by episode 9 is very cool and and certainly their uh reemergence into uh the galaxy at that point is very very cool but nothing beats their introduction in a new hope and seeing these big triangular gargantuan beasts and how many they have that really conveys how impossible it's going to be to take on these villains. Yeah, I mean, great choice. The Star Destroyer is something that, I don't know, it's never really spoken to me so much. Uh, I'm really glad it's on your list. It's a great honorable mention, but it's just, it's not one that I've always uh, been drawn to. And I mean, I'm so happy you mentioned it because the interior is something that you're drawn to. Oh, yeah. The incredible window panes on the bridge of a Star Destroyer is such an iconic Star Wars shot. And just so much Star Wars action takes place inside Star Destroyers. And so uh, I'm just I'm thrilled that they're included there in the way that I mean, like even Han going out with the trash and the Falcon, uh, the view from behind a Star Destroyer, the terrifying uh view of star destroyers emerging from hyperspace yeah uh, they just scream menace like you said and so the fact that we're introduced to them as the cat chasing the mouse in the first five seconds of star wars we immediately know who these guys are we immediately know what the star destroyer is wow so yeah i, I never I thought of that choice never thought what a wonderful way to describe that dynamic out the gate like it's a sylvester and tweedy thing that's that's exactly what it is and i love that um and i'm also so glad that you mentioned the the posterior of these ships and those big like flammable circular engines that back them up really contribute so to the cool. menace so cool absolutely okay your turn for number three uh my number three uh this is one that uh it would have taken the number two spot if not for the lack of a hyperdrive. I mean, to have a good quality starfighter, you need a hyperdrive. Uh, but my favorite of all of the starfighters in Star Wars is the ETA-2 Acta class, uh, and that would be the Jedi starfighters that Anakin and Obi-Wan use in Revenge of the Sith in particular. Nice, yeah. Uh, the, the paint job that Anakin goes with uh, is the awesome yellow and gray, and then later on he has a green and gray one, or a green and white almost with like a red little bit on the sides. So those are just great paint jobs as well. Uh, but it's such a cool starfighter, and it has such a great transitional design from what we see with the Delta class uh, in Attack of the Clones to the TIE Fighter. Mm -hmm. And that's the best part about it. This right here is a ship that is showing you the transition from the good guys you've been rooting for to the bad guys. We are starting Revenge of the Sith with Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker in basically an early TIE Fighter TIE variant. Yeah. And they're painted yellow and red and well, one of them is red leader. And it's just, it's so like, oh my God, this is, this is so backwards. This mm -hmm. is so ass backwards and yet so perfect in what they were trying to go for. Uh, and then you got R2 on the front 
And so you're actually able to like see your astromech, which I think is a really cool design. And then when the buzz droids are on there, he's able to really, like, really interact with it. And Anakin kind of be like, yeah, go get him. And uh, it's just, I really, really love the way that these are designed. They have the visibility that TIE fighters don't usually have. That's a complaint that people have said about TIE fighters is the fact that you can't look to your left or your right because they have these giant like totally. fly swatters on yeah. either side. Yeah. Um, but like the TIE interceptor corrects that. And so does the ACTA class. Um, uh, but the way that these are that transitional design, but still feel so Jedi, and yet are based are, are an early Tie Fighter. I just uh, I fell in love with them uh, very early, and they I just continue to view them as my favorite of the Starfighters. I never thought of them as an early Tie Fighter. That makes a lot of sense chronologically, uh, and I think more simply, what they're doing is just trying to blend the two sides, right? Because they also have the more virtuously symbolic like uh triangular nose of most good guy ships in Star Wars like they they don't really look that x-wingy but they don't look as piddly as as many uh uh well tie fighters one thing i think that and this is something that uh, it's you don't see them very quickly but flying alongside them the clones are flying arc 170s mm -hmm. which are the precursors to x-wings so the precursors to X-Wings and the precursors to TIE Fighters are flying alongside each other. Yes. Uh, and then the precursors to the X-Wings as opposed to being X-shaped are like almost like snowflake shaped in the sense they've got a, also a, a middle rod uh, bisecting the, the S-foils. And so it is very cool to see them. And then you get the V-Wings by the end of the movie. And so you're starting to see this transition already happening. But um, I've mentioned many times how much I love to see the the way the Republic turns into the empire and how there's so many things that I just, I wasn't looking for as a kid that I appreciate now at a new level when watching these films. Can I just say, as long as we're talking about the, and this is kind of jumping the gun on my runners up a little bit, but as impractical as they are, I was always a big fan of the Y-Wing fighter. They're quite silly, but for some, maybe I just had a toy or something, but like, I just like the look of it. Who thinks I'm going to design a spaceship today and draws that? It's so bizarre. Yeah. Do you have that as one of yours? No, it's it's not on my list, but I considered it because I always had a special place for it. The Y-Wing is one that uh, I know some people absolutely uh, adore. I know some people that it's their favorite thing about Star Wars. I get their it. favorite thing. Uh, and it, it makes sense. Uh, and I had a Lego set of a, of a Y-Wing as well. But yeah, it's it's never, it, it falls in a very similar category as the Star Destroyer to me, as being uh, just so right, but just not for me. Okay. All right. Very respectful of you. Uh, okay. I, this is going to be interesting. Um, I wasn't sure. I guess I didn't consider that you'd put a pod racer on your on your list, although that's dumb because I know you love the pod race. My number two is Sebulba's pod racer, man. So yeah. I I bought Sebulba's Pod Racer from Toys R Us. It cost forty dollars, and at the time, forty dollars <laughs> was the most money I'd ever had. And so it was like a really serious investment. But I never once regretted it. Like pods in general are just they're kind of fascinating because I mean you said I also wrote in my notes here that they're trying to emulate chariot races of like ancient civilizations but that they've also mm -hmm. blended it with the commercialism of like formula one culture is brilliant because culture in general and technology as part of the culture is what makes it star warsy and i like 
Sebulba's because his is supposed to be the most imposing and it's the biggest by a lot. And I love that it's fucking orange. And okay. I got a pit bull. <laughs> it's it's exactly like that. Yes. And yeah, you're right. He's he's Griff Tannen. Um, <laughs> but I also I think just in general, what I like most about um, the genre of pod racers is that they're one of a kind. Like every single one appears to be completely unique and kind of emulates the pilot a little bit. Now, I'm not like a Sebulba stan or whatever, but I guess because I had that toy and it was like a little odd that they even made that toy, I don't know. I just always really loved the big orange Sebulba pod racer. So that's number two for me. Oh, I love it. I think that's fantastic. Well, and I also, I think they made that toy for situations just like us, where one kid wanted the Anakin pod racer, yeah. and then someone the other kid, oh, I want the villain. I want the villain's pod. I guess. <laughs> and in that case, it was Sebulba. And he also, yeah, he had a really badass, like the split X engines. Uh, it's just a really cool design. And uh, I guess that makes a little bit more sense. His does look like it actually might have an extra little propulsion system in the back of his uh little chamber that's what i was thinking of i guess yeah because he seems to have these like canisters on either side mm. of his cockpit and i don't know maybe yeah. that's just fuel or something but I, I think i'm probably overthinking the the engineering of pod racers i just i don't know i think they're i mean i think they're as awesome oh, as you do that that is a good point though they could be fuel because they could just be fuel lines that are running directly through there so well and but, really yeah, for, for, is a badass design. for safety reasons not that pod racing generally considers safety in their precautions but like they probably shouldn't no. keep fuel like directly in the engines right they probably should be funneled in via the cables so that when it inevitably ex like blows up or hits a wall it won't create this huge uh nuclear explosion i can almost guarantee you there is no rule on that no uh, which means my guess is there are some pods that have them built right in and the the racers have to change out every once in a while because the guy funding it has to replace them <laughs> well if i die piloting this thing then everyone else around me everyone within a radius is going up in smoke too yeah well and there would be some that would want that as well <laughs> definitely uh what's your number two uh, my number two would be uh, the Lambda class shuttle, Imperial shuttle Tiderium, uh, the T4A class shuttle. That would be the the white shuttle uh, flown by Darth Vader, uh, or not flown by Darth Vader, but um, Darth Vader's shuttle in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, uh, and then the sh another variation of said shuttle being stolen by um, the Imperial by the Rebels uh, and flown by Han. Uh, this is just such a cool ship uh, in the way that the wings function. Uh, the white, clean design, uh, but the the front almost looks like it, it reminds me the face of a scout trooper. Totally, I, I I just it speaks to the rest of the film so consistently. Uh, it has such a it just screams Return of the Jedi, an original trilogy, uh, and yet it doesn't feel super imperial by design, but just feels so incredibly Star Warsy. Uh, and I, I even have back here, I have a, a, a T-16 Skyhopper, which also 
um, was, was number nine on my list. Uh, so, but they, they share similar DNA in their design. And as a kid, this being the toy that Luke also plays with, yeah. uh, and one that I had too, uh, for some reason, um, seeing the Lambda class shuttle come to life in Return of the Jedi, I really related the two because you don't actually get to see the Skyhopper in the original trilogy do anything other than sitting in the garage. Uh, but I, I just, I, for some reason, this ship really just stood out as like, it was appropriate for both sides of the war. Uh, it was considered a piece of junk yet looked classic. It's like, it just really looked, looked clean and, and just cool. Uh, the way that the, the kind of the, the landing door, what plank, whatever, I'm not quite sure what the, the brick, sorry, the bridge. Probably. I don't think the br the the bridge, but like the the thing the 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 door the and ramp, I guess okay. is what I'm looking for, yeah. and how you would you would enter. It's just yeah, it's just got such a, a a badass way of exiting and entering, and the way that you can see the the steam arising from it. It's just so original trilogy. I love this show. It's an excellent an excellent call. I don't think I ever could have even recalled it. Like if I was trying to make a master list of all of the starships, and I don't know why, because you're right, it's very critical story-wise. Mm. The one that's behind you that uh, unless folks are with us on YouTube, they they can't necessarily know which one you're talking about. But um, that does surprise me. It hasn't turned up on your list because, again, not really critical in the story, except for that Luke does seem to have an action figure of it at mm. Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru's, and it's exactly like the one you had for as long as I can remember. And there was a cool thing yes. about it where you could like pull the innards of it out. Basically, you remove the shell, and then it just becomes like a little speeder. And I don't mm. know if that's like canonical for how it's meant to operate within Star Wars, or if that's just like a neat toy design. But it it's is just very so I can cool. Stick Luke in it. Yeah, that, but that's not how they operate in no. in Star Wars. But it's cool. No, no, it's it's not. And no, it was one of the ones that had made it into my top six, uh, and then eventually just fell out by the way of rearranging things because in favor of the the lambda class. But I of course love the love the skyhopper too. Do you mind if I get to my number one? Go right to it, sir. I don't know how you're going to feel about this, and I don't know how I feel about this because we've already kind of taken the piss out of them a little bit. But my number one is the Tie Fighter, which I've just always thought was so cool. If disposable that's kind of what makes them classic it's an essential yeah. star wars ship it's the counterpart to the x-wing and that it's like the one man military unit it's reserved only for the bad guys uh and we on this podcast and we're probably not the first people to do this but we've often compared them to house flies essentially for two reasons because they are there's a disposable quality um really you never really know who the pilots are there's a bazillion of them they're in the way um and also, just in the way they kind of hover, they kind of flit about, they bounce around. And I think in part because they don't have a traditional wingspan, there is something to be questioned about the fly swatters on, on either side of the, the little ball. But um, I don't know. I can't really explain why they're my, my favorite. I, I think maybe Poe Dameron sums it up when he says, I've always wanted to fly one of these things. They're just great. They absolutely are. Uh, and actually, that's interesting because that's one of the the cool kind of introductions as well as those are two seater uh, TIE fighters as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and those are introduced there. Uh, but this was a tough one for me. So the TIE fighter is not my number one. Um, I have uh, TIE Whisper uh, and the TIE Advanced both in my top 10, though. I adore 
adore TIE Fighters. Uh, and the entire family, of course, yeah, the original TIE Fighter by its design is fantastic. Um, but they're all just so cool. Yeah. Uh, you got the, the TIE Advance that Vader flies where it's got the, the, the folding wings, but it's still that classic same design. You got the TIE Bomber, which is just like this weird kind of flattened version. Uh, and then of course the classic TIE Interceptor, which uh, is the one with the, the cut-ins. And so it's the, the spikier uh, sides. Very so cool. that one provides you the visibility. Uh, and then they finally uh, created the perfect TIE fighter for the Rise of Skywalker. And that's the TIE Whisper. And that's what Kylo flies and Ray chops the wing off of. Uh, and that is uh, basically, it's a TIE interceptor with a, with a red color scheme, which looks awesome, of yeah. course. And finally, a bloody hyperdrive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this can be a little bit more useful. And there have been other TIE fighters, uh, like Kylo flies a TIE scout as well, uh, tactical in the end. And that one has a, a hyperdrive in it too. But like you said, TIE fighters are so frequently used as these just disposable uh, machines, yet they're so powerful. Uh, and then that once again goes to what the Empire uh, cares most about. And so it's a matter of Numbers. how many can we produce these yeah. and how like how many can they kill? If they can all kill, I don't know, if they can each kill th or take out three other ships, we don't care that that ship will also explode in the cost-benefit analysis that works for us. Uh, and right. then even Poe flying that TIE fighter, it crashes. Yes, that's right. Well, it's funny. So they can't even escape. I, I don't know the full variety of these ships to the extent that you do. And so I admit part of what makes me like TIE Fighters is the the image of them with the folded wings. And so I guess I understand intellectually that they're they're different from like the traditional TIE Fighter that we first saw. But I do kind of like group them together. That's part. Just the whole milieu of TIE Fighters is what kind of totally. I'm, I'm a super fan of. Uh, an another thought that I had is like I'm not a good visual artist at all but like you know like a classic thing that even people who can't draw do when they're drawing a sky is they do like a little shallow m for a bird like a seagull mm -hmm. just like two like shallow little lumps another thing that i've done sometimes is just like a dot with two lines on either side of it so like rather than a sky full of seagulls it's like a sky full of tie fighters <laughs> it's like they're just as awesome. just as easy to draw so little, oh and little art tips from colin like, another great um moment was when they show up in Mandalorian and you're rooting for them because uh, Din and Mayfeld are trying to transport the, the Rhydonium. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, the TIE fighters are here to save the day. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's a change of pace, but we'll go with it. Great. So you're on board. You, you support my number one pick. Absolutely. And you will support my number one pick as well Let's hear uh, it. because uh, it is uh, the counterpart to, I think, what your number three was, maybe your number four. I don't remember, but it is the ATAT. -AT. Nice. I'm going with the full four legged walker. Oh, I'm surprised. Uh, Sorry? I'm so I, 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 I realized I kind of uh, jumped the gun on this a few minutes ago that I'm really surprised that you picked this. I had no idea that you were so passionate about ATATs. Oh, it was number one and it didn't move at all. And it wasn't even going to come close to it. Cool. Um, there was, there's something about the way that they, the rebels took down those ATATs in the battle of Hoth. That is just so cool. And something sure. that I will always love. And it's, and that's the thing. I, it's, it's not necessarily a love for the T-47 airspeeder. Uh, it's it, the, the rebel ship. I don't care so much about uh, it's the losing walkers that are impractical and 
uh, are clearly shown why they're impractical. And although they're deeply menacing, uh, there's just something about that sequence that has been one of the most important to me as a Star Wars fan forever. Uh, and the AT-ATs, I have the, the ATM6 Lego set behind me as well, yeah. uh, because I always wanted the AT-AT Lego set. Uh, and that was always the, like the toy that I wanted. And I, I don't know why, but there was just something that was, I was always drawn to. And when you rewatch uh, the Star Wars movies as a kid, uh, Empire's always been my favorite. And so when you're putting that on and you're a little, little kid, you're not always going to make it all the way through the movie, but you're going to see the Battle of Hoth every time. Yeah, because you're you're watching that. And so you get to see like it's almost like this triumphant end when Luke is up there with his lightsaber and he's like waving around and he's able to throw the grenade in. Um, but it's just uh, such a classic design. And then it spawns off all these other walkers that are part of the same family. And so, yes, I, of course, love the ATST and I love the ATRT. Uh, which are used in clone uh, Revenge of the Sith, where the clones are kind of up on them, and the, oh, yeah. the, the walkers were the clone. Those are really cool, really in their cool design. And another great transitional piece where it's like a, it's like just an unshielded uh, uh, ATST, basically. Um, and then they've got the even bigger ones on Scarif with the ATACTs, and uh, and like I said, the ATM sixes in the Last Jedi on crate. Those like like with the, just like the extra big. Um, the, you even see the ATATs along alongside the ATM sixes, and it's 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 like oh my god, the it's skyscrapers next to yeah. like city hall. It's yeah. unbelievable, uh, and so they've just spawned off so many more menacing designs and more practical designs. But they do just scream the Empire, scream uh, the original trilogy, uh, and they took the number one for me. That scene on Hoth is among the most watchable war scenes in all of. Star Wars, and in part because it's just like nothing they've even bothered to try and recreate. The magic of it is like, is is perfect, and they're like, okay, this is not really even what we're going to try and do going forward because it's so good, it's in the can. Let's move on. And, and you're right, like the way they they trip it by coiling the the cable around it and just like pull it over. It it's pretty great. It's funny how many of these ships are, are ships that you fall in love with because of the way they go down. I mean, that's yeah. true also of the ATST. Like I, I said, like yeah. the the way they kind of just get dummied in the end is is exciting. But the ATATs are not clumsy the way the ATSTs are, at least depicted in the original trilogy. They mm -hmm. are truly menacing and i'm not even sure what animal they're meant to kind of look like they don't have a chicken quality or a t-rex quality they're like a camel kind of but they're much more dangerous and vicious than camels have you thought about that like what they're anatomically kind of similar to um that's a really good question almost like a almost like a gorilla on four legs is the first thing i can think of wow um but I don't know if that's, I, I doubt that's what they were going for. No, they're lankier um, than that. They're not they, they are lankier than that for sure. But that's definitely what you get with the way, like you see Luke up against those legs. They're just these pillars. Mm -hmm. They're massive. And so they are very intimidating in, in that perspective. Uh, that is a good point. I'm not exactly sure uh, on the inspiration behind the design uh, because they are so, so slow in the way that they move too. Um, but they're calculated as well. So yeah, the, the harpoons and the tow cables taking them out, uh, it's just, it makes for one of the coolest 
vehicle scenes in Star Wars. For sure. Do you know anything about how they transport an ATAT? Does that thing collapse? Like, does it does it come in, an AT hauler? Okay. So what they steal in Solo uh, is uh, from Mimbon, the ship that they steal to then steal the Conveyx uh, cargo transport. So they want to steal a, a, a rail car of the Conveyx. Uh, they steal an AT hauler so that they can then steal that and fly it away. So an AT hauler would be able to carry an AT. Uh, I, I don't know if I, they could, pro I, I assume they can carry up to an AT-AT. Um, like a big aircraft carrier. Otherwise, only ATST wouldn't be very much. Right. I mean, alternatively, they could probably like disassemble it kind of like a crane, like if it could like break apart into like four or five different parts and then be loaded into the cargo of like a Star Destroyer or something that might be an option. Yeah, that might be an option. But like they had in like, for example, um, in the in the prequels, they had the 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 low altitude assault transports. Yeah. Uh, and they carried the the ATTEs, which were the, the lower flatter uh, walkers mm -hmm. that the clones would use. And so it was, I think that I think going on the same principle. So I think we can, we can assume that the AT haulers can, can carry the AT ATs. Can I run down a couple of my, uh, just missed the lists. Cause Hells, I, yes. I have a few that I, I'm not even sure that you'll have thought of, or maybe they're just more special to me. This one's not necessarily special to me, but I think it deserves a mention. And it's the Katana barge from Tatooine. Just like yeah, some my honorable mentions. I mean, this is a vehicle, but it's we don't see any other barges in Star Wars. And so like it's awesome at the Sarlacc pit, like right where Jabba gets killed. Like that is a very important moment in all of Star Wars. And so we got to talk about that. Another one I saw listed today. I've, I've looked up a listicle. This one used to mean a lot to me. And then I just kind of like let it go because it wasn't really uh, carried on beyond uh, Phantom Menace, but the Sith Infiltrator that Maul piloted, which really looks nice. like kind of a brother to the uh, to to Padme's ship. Actually, it's it's matte, mm -hmm. but it's a very similar sleek arrow shape, and it has those crimped wings in the back, not unlike the Tie Fighter that we were discussing a little earlier. Well, interestingly, on my honorable mentions is his Razalon speeder. Uh, okay. So that's another one that I absolutely loved because that's a we had like a few of those Lego sets kicking around because they were like four bucks. So we bought a handful of them to get a few extra malls. Well, listen, uh, neither of us mentioned Luke's speeder, which is uh, like inarguably it's one, also of, the, by honorable mention, one yeah. of the most important vehicles in Star Wars for sure. Yeah, Luke's X-34, that like pinkish like salmon speeder uh, that they they sell at, uh, to get the money to pay Han to get them off. Dust ball. Which I guess is just the equivalent to a teenager having a pickup truck, right? In the country. Yeah. And then they talk about how there was the new one that was just released. And so they didn't get enough for the speeder. And it was just just normal human problems, which I love. Gungan Bongo Submarine. On my honorable mention, sir. Awesome one. Very, awesome very one. important. I realize that Jar Jar is irritating to a lot of people, but the entire creation of Gungan City is spectacular. Those weird little devices they put in their mouths that make them breathe underwater was fascinating to me as a child. And then the... Yeah, quata breathers. The There's always a bigger fish sequence. It's fabulous. And I just love the design of, of the of the bongo. I, th I think maybe there was a Lego set between us, but it just had a... a eh. It was like some tails behind it. It was just really, really cool. The tails of a bongo are just, I don't even know what they're supposed to do, but the bongo is such a cool design. It's a submarine. We don't really get to see those. Uh, it also, it's similar in the other, it's like Nubian designs, but like also 
totally animalistic in its own way and a, aquatic uh, and reptilian and so or amphibious or yeah. whatever it is. So yeah, it's an it's such a cool, cool ship and one or vehicle uh, and one that needed to be mentioned. Vehicle design, as I mentioned before, in the Phantom Menace was really off the chain, which leads me to uh, the Naboo N1 Starfighter, which I was always mm. a super fan of. I love that it's like Lay's chip yellow. Like it's yeah. it's just it's a it's very classic looking. I mean, like I don't know that there's a line to be drawn between the Naboo Starfighter and the X-wing fighter except for that there's a lot of them in the big action mm -hmm. sequence at the end, but they have the Naboo quality that you were talking about earlier and that they're very pretty. Um, mm -hmm. And they're also pretty functional. Like, that's like a cool-looking thing. I don't know that it would hide yeah. so well, but, like, I was always a fan of that. I think, you know, obviously, Anakin piloting too. it is, like, kind of silly, but, yeah, they're compact. And I definitely had yeah. a Lego no. one of those. Yeah, we yeah we definitely did. Those ones were were very cool. All my honorable mentions. Uh, yeah, we, we talked about those. Those are great. Once again, Phantom Menace. Um, that's all the eras. And admittedly, absolutely, the sequel trilogy is the 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 landslide most boring um, for introductions. But in part, that was them really wanting to do homages through the ship design. Uh, Slave One. Awesome choice. Yep. I mean, yeah, I, necessary. I'm, it's uh, necessary. The inside is the coolest part. Yes. It's necessary. I think it's kind of ridiculous, but it's hard not to be fascinated by what it is. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you there. Uh, my favorite moment is absolutely from its its depiction in Mando season two, is yeah. being able to see that, that rotating chamber on the inside. It's just so damn cool. Uh, but the seismic charges, uh, the, the weapons of the Slave One make the Slave One. And so I, I would agree. It is impractical in the sense that it is this big round from the back shape. And it's like you're laying down when you're taking off. It's, yeah, it, it's it's got some question marks in the common sense department, but is a cool ship for sure and needed to be mentioned. What else do you have? Uh, I've got... Um, see because i mentioned some of these yeah Cobb vance uh speeder which is awesome to be able to see part of anakin's in it uh the bongo and luke's land speeder yep yeah. uh, and also another one to mention that hasn't been brought up is the corvette we got the cr90 totally. the so yeah. the other the most in the chase chase sequence totally <laughs> uh yeah. those stark white hallways uh that just in the way that the doors seal up and the the return of it in row one uh, the hammerhead, and then the use case of being able to push Star Destroyers, just such a cool and practical warship. Yes, practical. I was never a great fan of it, just like design-wise, but obviously it's very important. Oh, yeah, it's very cool. Uh, the Sandcrawler, another very cool, uh, obscure uh, vehicle, but it screams Star Wars. Another one that we got an awesome inside look of from the Mandalorian. It's insane. Episode two of that. It's insane. It's just a warehouse that rolls really slow through the desert. And what a fabulous idea. Yeah. It's it's so weird, but it and, and the Jawas, I've always loved the Jawas. They've always yeah. been like, I, I had a handful of little uh, Jawa action figures, uh, partly in why I love like Yoda and R2. When you're small, you connect to the other small characters. And so Jawas are awesome. I just have uh, one more. Sorry? I just have one more. Uh, did you okay. have like any more on your list? Is, we, is this, this going to be like an endless conversation? I think it could be. Uh, I've got a, a few that I'll want to like kind of just like 
uh, quickly whiz through. Um, Actually, I have two more. But I yeah, go with what go with yours if you want. I, ha- I have two more, and they're kind of asterisks next to them because I thought about putting uh, Ray's uh, speeder because she does have a really cool speeder in in yep. uh, The Force Awakens. And then I remembered she actually has a cooler vehicle in that opening sequence, and it's the sandboard, her little sled, <laughs> which counts. Nice. Like, what? There's a, yeah, I, great I, choice. I looked it up. There's a Wikipedia page for the sandboard. It's just, like, made of sheet metal that she's scavenged. Uh, another asterisk, but it's definitely a vehicle, and it's a Tauntaun. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Great choice. Yeah. Great, great thinking. Necessary whole the the vehicle oh yeah tauntaun would definitely be the, the necessary inclusion of the rideable um creatures in star wars what are the other really good rideable creatures yeah there's some like big elephantine type creatures in the original tri- no in the prequel trilogy there's like definitely some animals that are are used yeah, there could be some interesting well there's certainly elephant like ones in the original trilogy yeah <laughs> the banthas yeah oh yeah um but right. yeah. Oh, Banthas is another good choice. Yeah, probably should include them. <laughs> for sure. Tauntauns are the essential animal that gets used for, for transportation. Agreed. Yeah. Um, what's your other one? That's it. That's all I got. Uh, oh, uh, a few more. Uh, the Libertine, which is the really classy ship that BB-8 and DJ steal in The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's got that really like baller staircase that kind of twirls down. Uh, and the inside's really nice. And it's it's a it's a cool ship on the outside. Um, we did mention it quickly in the, it's the Nara class yachts that, uh, Dryden boss and Satine have, yep. uh, those just tall moving pillars, skyscrapers, uh, with really huge elevators. Uh, they're awesome. Um, the, the STAPs, the STAPs, uh, so those are the single trooper aerial platforms that the battle droids use in the prequels and particularly on Naboo. Um, they're like speeders, but they're stand-up speeders. Yeah. And the battle droids can kind of just like zoom around in the air w- with their free will. Uh, those are really cool little vehicles, and they're used in like the Clone Wars from time to time as well. Definitely. Um, there's yeah, there's the arc, uh, there's the arc one seventies, and then the X wings, of course. We didn't really even mention the X wings, right? I guess I, I, I guess I thought it was a given. <laughs> it, it is a bit of a right. given. Um, I do have to say another hats off to Rise of the Skywalker uh, on ships in also hats off to Rise of the Skywalker for including every ship ever yep. in the end. Yep. So big thank you for that. <laughs> um, but also Poe's X-Wing is easily the coolest painted X-Wing Agreed. as that orange and white design. That's a that's a slick look. What about Mandalorian jetpacks? Another excellent choice. The Z6 jetpack is a cool, bl- well, it's not reliable if nope. you're a FET. Nope, true. Um, but every other Mandalorian ever has pretty much had great reliability repairs. That's right. Um, it was a great scene when um, the when the Tito guy um, trades Grogu for his jetpack and yeah. he sends him flying. He gets slammed and into the ground. Ride, so. I know. That's yeah. brutal, eh? Yeah. Okay. And um, then, then just the other one is one that I'm not a huge fan of, um, but are important ones to all of Star Wars. And that'd be the VCX 100, which is cool from the inside. That's the ghost in Rebels. Uh, it's got a bit of a weird uh, look on the outside, but it's got a very cool um, kind of um, whatever they're called, uh, escape pod. Uh, and then the 
the, the fallen Razor Crest, which I'm also not a huge fan of, but one that deserves to be mentioned because we've spent a lot of time in that cockpit. For that matter, uh, you just said the the words escape pod from the opening of A New Hope. It's like kind yeah. of, like, we could go on forever. Oh, it absolutely is. <laughs> yeah. It's got a model number. I, I bet it does. Six. You are, by the way, like crushing it with the model numbers tonight. Like, I, Thank you're, you, sir. You've always been encyclopedic with this stuff. I know you must have been like studying this stuff in particular because it's super flying over my head and yet very impressive. And I've mostly followed the nitty gritty. You certainly have. You've been using uh, model numbers as well, sir. Uh, when you threw down the the J Type three two seven, I felt like I was talking to Qui Gon and Watto's shop. <laughs> well, I had to I had to look that up. Obviously, I just know that I I'm sexually attracted to that ship. It's very, it is a beautiful, it's beautiful, very ship. beautiful. What's going on in Star Wars news? Uh, quite a bit. Um, nothing that is like of huge discussion point, uh, but a lot of things out there. Uh, Mando season three has not started filming, uh, but the rumor is it's going to be near the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that also lends rumor to, or lends credibility to the rumor that we won't be getting it until a year after Book of Boba Fett. Right. I heard, uh, I heard so Pedro that- say that to you in, in the Variety series that I, I, listen to finally today they they chatted oh about nice where they are in, in their awesome. shooting schedules it's lovely there and i was a little bit i i was really charmed by pedro pascal who was like really enthusiastic about his experience but also just like clearly a very big ewan mcgregor fan which is sweet um yeah ewan mcgregor i've always liked and he's always been a gentleman but i've always been just like quietly suspicious that maybe he doesn't love star wars as much as other people and this kind of eliminated that suspicion. It really mm. suggested to me here that he's actually a big kid who likes to play Star Wars very, very much. And having this totally new technological experience on the new show is really revitalizing his love for the character. Yeah, and the way he talked about how he liked working with puppet Yoda, even though he was terrifying in The Phantom Menace, right. and they could have just made a better puppet. Uh, he he didn't like working with CGI Yoda in that regard, and so uh, it was weird because like Pedro has gotten to work with a four million dollar Robo puppet, and so uh, having the ability to work with such newer technology is going to be great for you. And and you see how much fun, in particular, he had uh, practicing for the lightsaber sequences with Hayden Christensen. Yeah, uh, in the behind the scenes of Revenge of the Sith, the two of them were just like kids. And so I can only imagine that Hayden will be in the suit um, so that the two of them can just give that same flair to the fight. And also to a degree, uh, Adam Driver has over Kylo Ren uh, in the physical uh, performance. Uh, It's very different in the way that you have three people playing the same physical performance for the lead character in the Mandalorian, but it would be interesting to see if Hayden Christensen's physical performance could come through in the Darth Vader suit in a new way that we've never seen before, where we could see, Oh, I can physically see Anakin fighting right now. That would be kind of cool. That would be uh, not just kind of cool. That would be like really edifying and, and almost emotionally um, gratifying. Yeah. Imagine if they do another one of, and, and people would hate it, but people who know the the logic behind it, the the moment when they do the bit of the spinoramas not touching each other's blade, yeah, um, that is a uh, like a an ancient uh, 
Japanese sword fighting technique or, or something like it is something George Lucas heavily researched okay. uh, amongst people who are incredibly familiar fighters with one another. But like, it'd be cool to see something like that. Something that is like a classic, like, oh, I recognize that from the Mustafar duel and being able to kind of see it again in, in this Obi-Wan show. Are people lame about that moment? There's no end to what people won't nitpick about Star Wars. Of course, people will nitpick about everything. And the Clearly. fact that, you know, a, a master and his apprentice knowing each other like perfectly to be able to predict what they're doing, just also the fact that they're space wizards. Right. No, you got to look at it with super logical thoughts. Goodness. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, anyway, it was really it was really neat to watch. And uh, Ewan definitely has his Alec Guinness beard very perfectly trimmed. Like you can definitely see him in there. Yes, but his, his hair is much longer, oh, yeah. which is interesting as well. Definitely. What else? Uh, Andor, uh, Forrest Whitaker is confirmed to return. Oh. Uh, and Ben Mendelsohn is heavily rumored to return. I, I definitely want to see that, and it only makes sense. Forrest Whitaker yes. makes sense, too, frankly, within the culture, of, and it's a prequel, so he doesn't have to be quite as extreme, Crazy. right? Yeah, so that's kind of good. Yeah, no, and that's that's the way I see it. Cassian's still filming, uh, so I, this, is, this could be really interesting. Uh, it could be of just the same quality of Rogue One. It could be even better quality because it's not rushed. And with, I preferred Cassian uh, as a lead to Jin. And uh, I don't know, this could be really, this could be a really interesting show. They seem to be putting a lot of effort into doing it right. And the cast is, uh, is high quality for sure. Well, and if it's really good, like there's not a lot of pressure on this show, which is something you can rarely hmm. say about Star Wars, but like people are so focused on like bigger concepts that it'll just drop. And the vast majority of people won't have even heard of it before. And then they'll like hmm. it and it'll yeah. be good PR for Star Wars. Yeah. A, a spy thriller and with the rebel Alliance, that's just too bloody cool. Yeah. I'm in, uh, Book of Boba Fett, uh, Robert Rodriguez um, has not directed all of the episodes. He has directed multiple of the episodes, but they have multiple other directors. So I, that maybe indicates that there's going to be six episodes uh, and not four, which was there was kind of rumor whether there's going to be four or six. Um, but it's interesting to see who those other directors will be. Uh, there was no mention as to what they were. Uh, but Book of Boba Fett is done. It's done shooting, at least. Um, and so that's, that's good. It's said... Uh, to be viewed like Mandalorian season 2.5. Okay. So it will have a, a lot of similarities uh, in timeline and characters. Um, and it will also feature a lot of flashbacks to the Empire Strikes Back time. So we don't, it hasn't been super specific as to whether that's going to be like right before Empire, right after Empire. Um, but that's what we're going to be doing is flashing back and forth between Boba Fett um, seven years earlier um, to Boba Fett um, in the Mandalorian-ish timeline. So yeah. That's going to be really encouraging. Obviously, Mando and Boba Fett are are fused because one, you know, inspired the other. So like, it only makes yeah. sense that they should remain companion storylines. Yeah. And they're all going to be part of this favreau filoni verse that are going to compile like with Ahsoka and then maybe another show like Rangers of New Republic, if that show gets reignited in some way, right. will culminate in some form of big Disney plus event um, feature of sorts, which they've indicated. So um, 
Obi-Wan uh, Indira Varma was spotted in Imperial clothes. So that could be the first character confirmation, or we could be seeing some classic rebels dressed up like Imperials. Good old Star Wars hijinks. That's true. One of the two. It tells uh, us nothing. But probably just uh, a cold Imperial because she does have a very angular face and pulls okay. off the look well. Right. And um, Leslie Headland from the Acolyte, um, she continues to say the right things. Um, some people uh, who love to like bash Star who, who <laughs> I saw somebody mention uh, or I saw it somewhere online, uh, the notion of someone saying, oh, yeah, I'm a Star Wars fan. And then someone saying, uh, oh, so you like Star Wars movies. And then them being like, no, I'm a Star Wars fan. Right. Exactly. I get it. <laughs> it's just like, oh, of course. Because so many people, they love to be, they, they love to hate it more than anything else. Feels that way. Um, but Leslie Edlund mentioned that she hired uh, someone who had never seen Star Wars before, never seen any Star Wars media for uh, the, her writing team. Okay. She didn't say she was hiring only non-Star Wars fans. Right, right. She said she hired one to challenge them on perceptions that they made so that it can be uh, she didn't say these words but the way that it was written it was very clear so that it can be more accessible for everyone yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense to me and so she's being vilified <laughs> as like an irresponsible creator yeah but the start of the article goes on to talk about the fact that she grew up burning the vhs's out she read the Thrawn, uh, Heir to the Empire trilogy in middle school. Mm -hmm. She fell in love with the RPGs and video games and still considers the RPGs to be her favorite thing in all of Star Wars because it allows for you to be immersed immediately within the stories uh, and really expand through creativity of the medium uh, and how Star Wars in its movies does such a great job of being able to create these worlds in which everybody else can experience the creativity as well. So in my opinion, she couldn't be saying better things yeah. and i'm thrilled for this show she's got the right attitude that's excellent oh she's got she's been saying it from the beginning just such smart things about the way she's approaching this show so it just makes me so excited because um aside from the shows that we have baked in emotions for like obi-wan this is probably the one i'm the most excited for so i think it's is she the really one cool is she the one who worked on russian doll yeah yeah okay yeah, oh, cool. so she's uh, she's got the acolyte, and that's going to be uh, really our, our first inside look at the dark side. So that'll be cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, Loki showrunner Michael Waldron confirms that he is writing Feige's movie, uh, working on Feige's movie. That was apparently only heavily rumored. Uh, Taika wants his next project to be a Star Wars movie, but isn't sure. And from any logic, it won't be because his Star Wars movie is 2025 or 2027 and why the hell would he start working on it now when no. he has in his words his sticky little fingers in a bunch of other pies or something that he said well, he's doing another thor movie and he'll he just finish that yeah but he'll probably do another indie like he'll probably do another yeah. like important passion project and so should he yeah exactly he's got the time um whichever one he's whether he's the 2025 or the 2027 so yeah. it doesn't matter um Kira's been in the news just because of her return in the comics. I think we mentioned that last time. Yes. Um, but uh, with that, Amelia Clark was asked about it and just uh, remained uh, delightful as ever, um, sharing uh, passion for the character and the amount of uh, backstory. She wrote journals about, like, she wrote, like, backstory about Kira and just wrote through understanding the character's backstory. I love it. I love it. In her own time. And so, love to see that kind of stuff. Yep. 
and so she was just responding to fan theories and whatnot. And she was, she was excited about the notion of, of a Lando show, but because that's so often the distance she, she says she's never, she hasn't been approached about reprising her role. Um, but of the roles she's worked on would be probably the one she would want to do the most. So, oh wow, um, that, that's nice to see. I and think it'll happen someday. It seems inevitable. Yeah. 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 And that would be everything, sir. That's good. Okay, cool. Want to say happy birthday on Sunday, June 27th to J.J. Abrams, one of uh, very few people who's directed multiple Star Wars movies. Is he the only one besides George? The only two-time director in Star Wars? Yeah, he is. That's, uh, well, uh, of movies, yeah. yeah. That's a that's an interesting tidbit. So happy birthday next week to the great J.J. Abrams. Uh, if you have any thoughts on Star Wars vehicles, any ships that we missed out on, or any opinions you have that uh, were not really represented here, please let us know. You can email recorder66podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us at recorder66. Please remember to rate and review on your preferred podcast app. Like and subscribe if you're joining us on YouTube. And until we are together again, the Force be with you.